0: Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be.
1: Well, howdy! (laughs) Howdy! Feel a little country today. This is my country vest. (laughs) Hey, listen, what am I going to do in the summertime when you can't wear a vest anymore? Anybody give me any helps? Turn up the air. Huh? Turn up the, Turn up the air. air. <laughs> hey, listen, today's is a very important message. And I want you to, nobody on your phones, um, nobody um, sleeping, uh, nobody doing anything but listening and asking the Spirit of God to speak to us. Because this is about coming together in communion. Communion with God and communion with each other. The reality is, so often, people are not as close today as they once was in society. And the reason being is because today people are more about social networking than actually spending time with someone. How many of you have family members, you get together, and they're on their phones where all their family is in the same room, but they're on their phones playing? How many raise your hands and say, that's happened to you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes there is a a guy I know that when they get the family together, they collect everybody's phones and they put them in a box or put them in a basket so that when the family gets together, they talk. They actually talk and they get to know the middle name of their family member. You know, I was at a, um, I was doing a, I think it was a wedding one day and um, the person of this wedding had a particular name that nobody in his family knew his real name. So when I mentioned his real name, later on, the family members came up to me and said, you know, I never knew that was his name. We've never called him by that all his life. I didn't even know that was his name. And it's amazing, but fellowship is something that God is really, really cares about. It's important to him. So let me ask you this. What are the things in life that you care about? Just right now, put them in mind. What are the things in life that you care about? Okay, because if you care about it, you need to celebrate it. There's these two individuals, a true story: uh, Jermaine Washington and Michelle Stevens, and they have every two times a month they have a gratitude dinner. These two guys worked together for a long time, and they would both have dinner or lunch at work. One day, while Jermaine was with Michelle, she was telling that she's on a dialysis machine and she needs a new kidney, and it's been already 11 months and nothing. And she says, I'm going through so much pain right now, and she just broke down crying right there at the lunch table. She says "She says that I have chronic fatigue, I get blackouts, and I have such hard joint pains in my body that it's just getting really hard to even function in life. Now, Jermaine was just his, her friend, but he cared so much about this friend that he gave one of his kidneys to her. And this is what they said. They have decided that when you got something great to be thankful for, having a gratitude lunch is a great way to celebrate. Now let's thought for a moment, if we're going to have communion with God or communion with others, there has to be a depth of relationship with each other and with God. Amen? You're just not going to go to a stranger and get like this great fellowship right away because you don't know the person. What are you grateful for? I want you to ask yourself deep down, what are you grateful for? And I need you to put something there. Don't just bypass it. That's a good question, Pastor. What are you grateful for? Really? Really? What are the things in life that you can say, boy, I am grateful for blank? Who is it? What is it? What are the things that you are grateful for? Because you need to know, because when it comes down to having communion, it is a time to remember and be grateful for what Christ has done for you and I. Jesus is about to die. He knows it's coming very shortly. And what does he want to do? He wants to have a meal with his disciples. If you had your last meal, who would you want at your table? If you were going to have your last meal, who would you want at your table? I want you to get that because it's really, really important. And this morning, we're going to take a journey about communing together in communion. And today is Communion Sunday. And I really want you and I to take one step further because we are living life so busy sometimes, so driven sometimes that we're not communing with each other. And the very ones that we love, whether it's God upward or people outward, we're not spending time with or even talking with or even getting to know the depth of their hearts. So let's go right to the beginning and let's look at where communion or Passover started. We have to go to Exodus chapter 12. And let's look at this aspect of Exodus chapter 12. And we're going to read 14 verses, so get ready to read. Amen? Amen. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If the household is too small for the whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. Ah, that's nice. Having taken into the account of the number of people there are, you are to determine the amount of the lamb needed in accordance with each person's will eat. Let's look at verse 5. The animal you choose must be year old, male, without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats, Take care of them until the 14th day of the month. Then all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood, put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they will eat the lamb. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over fire along with bitter herbs, bread made without yeast verse 9 Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water but roasted over the fire head legs and inner parts Do not leave any of it until morning if some is left till morning you must burn it This is how you are to eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt your sandals on your feet your staff in your hand eat it in haste It is the Lord's Passover and on the same night, I will pass through Egypt and I will strike down every firstborn, both men and animal, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Verse 13 to 14. The blood will be a sign for you and on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destruction, destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is the day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. This is where Passover began, right here. This is important for you and I to know when it comes down to celebrating communion. Because, see, you have to realize that Passover was a time of rescue and deliverance for the people of God when they were in the country of Egypt under great oppression, great hardship. And when they put the blood of the lamb over the doorposts, when the death angel came into Egypt and saw the blood, judgment passed over. Someone say amen. Mm. You see, celebrating is understanding and remembering what God has done. How many of you and I forget the goodness and the greatness and the things that God has done in our lives, but we forget them, watch this, because we have a problem. We forget them because we have a situation. We forget them because life becomes pressure all around us. How many How you know what I'm talking about? And when you feel the pressure, you also feel the pain. And it's really hard to remember the goodness of God when you feel the pressure and you feel the pain. Well, I want you to understand today that when we understand Passover, the blood of the lamb passes over judgment when we have the blood of the lamb. Now, what was else with this Passover? Unleavened bread. Bread that did not have any yeast in it. I want you to understand this. This is important. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was celebrated because, see, leaven is a type in the Bible of sin. Now, I'm not a baker, but I went online and looked about leaven or yeast and how it works in bread. How many cooked bread or had cooked bread from scratch, from scratch? Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Oh, look, you too. Whoa. Got a bunch of bakers in the house. And, um, and so I went online to say, okay, let me learn a little bit about yeast. You know, it only takes about a teaspoon, a quarter of a, te- a, quarter of a teaspoon to affect a whole loaf of bread. It doesn't take much of yeast to ferment within the, um, actually, the batter, the flour. <laughs> I want you to understand why the Bible looks at yeast as sin is because how it grows, how it infects the batch. And that's exactly what sin does. A little type of sin, a little sin, actually can come out to be an incredible addiction. You know? It's sort of like a person who starts off with smoking marijuana and before you know it, now they're on heroin. And worse. It it, it started with one little beer, you know, and now all of a sudden they're in the hard stuffs and more. It always starts somewhere. That's why they always say the first one's free. The first person who gives you the free one is probably the most guilty of them all. I'll tell you a true story about myself before I was saved. Someone says before pastor was saved. I don't want anybody thinking I just did this the other day. I'm just I'm just letting you know. But when I was young, I was a little bit of a drinker. And so I was putting a case of beer onto my car. I was into cars, always fixing cars. And there was kids all around the neighborhood. And I would take the case of beer, put it on my car. And anybody who wanted a beer, I would give them one. One day, my dad, looking out the window, saw this taking place. And when I came in the house, he really let into me. And he simply said, what in the world do you think you are doing? And of course me being young and foolish I said what what do I do <laughs> you know and uh, he said why are you giving beer to a small kid I said dad it's no big deal it's just one now that I have lived a few days now that I have seen a few things I now realize the power of one you so yeast is looked at in the bible as a negative thing you know i was while i was while i was looking about bacon and yeast and stuff i found this article of the longest loaf that was ever made it was made in portugal get this it was three thousand nine hundred and seventy five feet long huh how big a bread compartment do you need in your house to kick that one hey just put that in the bread compartment It fed over 15,000 people this one loaf of bread. Can I give you some good news? Can I give you some really good news? Jesus Christ, the daily, the living bread of life, He has nourishment to feed right now over 8 billion people almost living on this world today, and He covers it all. One loaf. For all people, if just people would just come to that one loaf and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Make me new. This one loaf can transform your life. You may eat daily bread, but that bread's not going to transform you. But I'm going to tell you what the bread of life can transform your life. Can you think of one loaf being the salvation card for eight billion people? That's a God picture. That's what God has done. It's amazing what God wants to do in us and through us. Look what 1 Corinthians says. It says this. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that may be a new batch without yeast. As you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Watch this, verse 8. Therefore... Let us keep the festival, not with old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, a bread of sincerity and truth. This is what Jesus has done. Jesus, because of what he's done, he does not want us to have sin in our life. He wants our sin to be taken away. And how is it? You give it to Jesus Christ. You ask him, Lord, have anybody ever made a sin within the last month? You know, you did something, you shouted, you yelled at someone, you got angry, you did something you should have done. Anybody in the house maybe done something you need to repent for? Ah, I see a few honest hands. You yelled at someone that cut in front of you? Yeah. You know, you, whatever it is. And then you do something you know God's not proud of you. You say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Help me. That's so beautiful to do. There are so many times that a real person who grows in god is a person who's able to say god forgive me help me so this is where we uh, Passover started which now leads into communion so i want you to understand that there's two ordinances of church that really within the protestant world is really stuck to you. baptism baptism is very important when you are submerged under water it is an outward display of your Truth that you're following God. And if you're not baptized, let us know. It is so important for your faith development. It really is. It's obedience, being baptized. The other one is having communion, doing communion. Remember, remember. There's power in remembering. Let me take you to 1 Corinthians. Uh, Let me take you to 1 Corinthians chapter um, 11. Let's go to chapter 11. It says here in verse 17, this is Paul the apostle. In the the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. This is their communion. This is their communion supper that they were having. Verse 18. In the first place, I hear that when you come together at the church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which one of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not for the Lord's Supper to eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another one gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say of you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not." I want you to understand that the people on the Corinthian church, though this church had many giftings, were a very immature church. And I want you to understand that the Corinthian church, even though they were doing what Christ told them to do, to remember, they had the right action, they had the right choice of doing it, but they had the wrong action. And sometimes we can do things with, you know, what we're supposed to do, but we do it in the wrong attitude. How many understand that? And when you do something in the wrong attitude... God knows it. And there's no blessing for your things you do because you're not doing it because you really want to. You're just doing it because you got to get it done. How many understand that, right? God sees it. So that's what they were doing. They were doing it, but they're doing it their way. You know, like people today, people say, I don't have to go to church. I can have church all by myself. With my pajamas on. Oh, I might be talking to some of you. Hmm. Yeah, Take off those pajamas. Come join the body of Christ. but, But you know, the reality is Jesus created the church. And Jesus told us to come together. It's an important thing to be among the brother because iron sharpens iron. There's a great work in the church of God where Jesus said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. His church is, yes, more than a building, but it's a place where we come together to shop in each other and also, the most important, to do more ministry, more service to God. God created it. So they're doing a good thing, but they're coming for the wrong reasons. If God wants you to do it for the right reasons, When you do the right reasons, that's when the blessings come. So here's Paul the Apostle, and he's not happy. Not happy at all. He's really Kind of rebuking them pretty harshly. I want you to get this. They didn't wait for anybody. And while they were, some were full, some were hungry. So that means that they were not sharing their food. They're hungry. I'm going to eat. And they're eating all the food. And they're not thinking about, they're not thinking about Juan. And Juan worked a long, long, hard day. And he comes in, he's hungry. But when he gets to the table, there's no chicken. Somebody ate the last chicken. And they're saying, I don't care about Juan. I don't care how hot his day is, I had a hard day too. And I'm hungry, and I'm going to eat. Is that what God's taught us? No, no, no. Because no. if you care, you you share. So somebody should have said, don't you touch that chicken, that chicken's for Juan. That's he going to eat hungry too. But nobody did that. And everybody was just doing their own thing. And when doing their own thing, they're serving self. And then here's a really bad one. While they're having the meal, they're getting wasted. They're getting drunk. They got a little bit too much juice. And they become really loose. And that becomes a problem. And then, and then look what the Apostle Paul says. And He says it so. He says this in verse 22. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say of you? Shall I praise you? For this, certainly not. This is something, this is behavior that is not praiseworthy. This is not what God has asked us to do. And we need to ask ourselves, if we're going to have communion with God and communion with each other, we have to ask ourselves, how are we doing, Lord? How am I I demonstrating the mercy, the grace, the love? Am I demonstrating what you have demonstrated to me? Ah, Are you and I the reflectors of God's grace and God's mercy, God's love? Are we demonstrating that to others? Because what flows up and in should flow out to others. And that was a good point to someone to say, amen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So either, either we have two choices in serving God, either we're going to serve self, we're going to be either self-centered, living life in order to improve or advance our camp, my camp, it's about what can I do for me, that's how we serve God. We're going through doing things, not doing things for the right reason, but for increasing our life, our surrounding. Or, in a sense, we could be God-centered, that's living life in order to serve Christ by, by, by serving others, to esteem others higher than ourselves. And it's not easy, is it? If you've ever become a servant of God and you serve others, let me tell you something, that is very difficult. It's not always roses. Someone say amen, it's okay. But the reality is, he served us. And I don't know about you, but I remember Jesus saying, how long must I suffer you? (laughs) Hmm? So I think of how God served us. I mean, the very ones who created us, Jesus created us, all things were made, and by him, the scripture says, and yet, and yet, read John 1, says it very clearly, And yet here he is on the cross forgiving us, forgiving them and us all the way along. Isn't that amazing? The God who created put himself in such a place of humility and then forgave in the midst of pain. Paul is very disappointed with them because they chose to honor and reverence themselves and not the Lord and reverence themselves and not other people. See, communion has three stages, First, communion, we must remember the past. We need to remember Passover because when we have Jesus and we apply his blood to our life, judgment passes over us. The connection to what Jesus did on the cross for sacrifice, as they took that lamb and put the blood on the doorpost, when the death angel came over, it was judgment passed over because of the blood. When we accept Jesus as Savior, it's the blood of the Lamb. Judgment passes over us, and we become an heir of righteousness. This is important of remembering what the past. What took place in Exodus 11 is pointing to what Jesus will do thousands of years later. It's amazing how everything God does, God does with a plan, and he's pointing to something greater. And the scriptures are always pointing to what Jesus was going to do. So everything you see in the Old Testament is pointing to Christ, the Messiah of a promise. Now, if God is working that far ahead for you, don't you think he's working far for you right now? Doesn't it say in John, I should ask Geneva to quote this, but in my house are many mansions. If not, I would not have told you. i go to prepare a place for you. There is Jesus again, preparing for the future. The eye has not seen, the ear not heard, nor has it entered in in the heart of man, the things that God has for those that love him. There it goes, God working on the future. But right now, we have to understand there's a past. There's a past to remember that God was doing something way, way back over here to affect your life today. So we are not to walk in fear. We need to walk in faith and to trust God that God's going to help you and go before you. Amen? Here. Check this out. Communion reflects on the past, but we bring it to the presence of seeing the redemptive act of Christ, how Christ forgives us of our sins. Where would you be if you didn't have someone to forgive you of your sins? What relationship would you have with God? You couldn't have one with God. Sin prevents us in relationship with God. Sin, it's sort of like God is holy God is good. That's why he provided Jesus Christ for us. When I think about the love of God, when I was, re- I was singing the song this morning, it moves me because I can't fathom the depth of God's love. His love is deeper. He has done so much. And I think if you understand the love of God, it will change your life to act differently, to be differently, to be kinder, to do everything possible for God and for others because he has done everything for you. That's a good point to say amen. amen. Christ's act of love motivates us to follow him. It provides healing for our bodies. Listen to this portion of scripture written 700 years in advance before it happened. And this is talking about Jesus on the cross here in Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. His punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. Now listen to verse 6. We, all like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord, God of heaven, has laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. Jesus became that very thing that would set us free and deliverance because of the blood. It was the one final lamb that was going to be slaughtered. No more animals were going to cover the sins of you and I. So that's the past. But there's also the present. The present, same chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, continue with verse 23. For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup. Is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take a moment here and think about this. So we have we have the blood and we have the cup. The blood in the cup. Or the drink, the juice, and the cup. And then we have the bread for the body. What type of bread was it in the Old Testament? Unleavened bread. And as you see that yeast is a type of sin. Jesus was sinless. Symbolic. God's always trying to communicate things. So here we have Jesus Christ, one who walked among us, was tempted in every way, and yet without sin. Unleavened bread as his body going to be a divine sacrifice to the Lamb of the world, just as John saw him. He says, there is, there's the Lamb of the world to take away the sins of the world. There's the Lamb, of the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. There is an incredible, see the picture. You see the plan. God has such great plans. We see it in Scripture. Can you now see it in your life? Do you have to be all stressed out? If you ask me if I ever get stressed out a little bit on things in life, I will tell you Yes. And then I will tell you this also. I have moments where I will just grab my thoughts together, find myself in prayer, and re-grasp what the Word of God tells me. That helps me immensely. Has anything changed? No. But who's changed? Me. Because I have thought, thought it through and thought it through and realized that God's plan and how He does these plans, and if God has done that for the whole world, and then He says, He knows when a sparrow falls. I was ironing my shirt today, and when I was ironing my shirt, yes, I know how to iron. Okay, just for those people who are snickering, and to throw away. The, I know how to sew too. I probably can sew some better than someone in here. I, I sold my whole material and my whole car, but I ain't doing no sewing jobs. Okay, don't don't. I just want to say. But when I was doing it today, I was, I, I'm looking outside. And I'm seeing all these little sparrows just in the grass. You know, just watching them. And they're looking at me, and I'm looking at them. And I just put my iron down, and I put a big hole in it. No identity there. <laughs> so I look at the sparrows, you know, I'm just like, oh, wow, God, you, you, you pay attention to them. You know, and then, and then, squirrels came. Two squirrels came, and they're looking in are sitting right there, and looking in the window. And I'm like, oh, God, this is great. What a scenery, you know? It was the best shirt iron I've ever had with all the wildlife around me. God! takes care of those critters, doesn't he? So if he can take care of those critters, can he take care of you? God's in a plan. We see this great communion. We see this great plan. You have to want to know the plan. That means you have to get in the book. If you're not getting in the book, you're never going to get the plan. Let me look at this. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 16-17. It is not the cup of thanksgiving for which for which we give thanks a, a participation in the blood of Christ it is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ because there is one loaf we who are many are one body some say one body. one body for we are all partakers of that one loaf that loaf i told you about Fed a couple thousand of people. Over 15,000 people fed. Jesus wants to meet all our needs. But the problem is, sometimes we're not so quick to go to him. If I I had, um, let's say I had the solution to your problem. Let's just say I had the solution to your problem, and you had a problem, and you told everybody about it. No, I have a problem, da-da-da, I have a problem, and you tell everybody your problem, but you don't tell God your problem. You don't commune with God. You don't go to Him. But if I had your problem, and you didn't talk to me, your problem wouldn't get solved. But we do the same thing. We have all these problems, we go talk to everybody. But we don't go to God. We don't go to God. We have to commune with God. We have to talk with Him. He wants to be your best friend. He wants to be your best friend. Did you get that? He wants to be your bestie. I look at God as my bestie. Okay? I really do. I always have. Since the beginning of ministry, God has been my bestie. He's been there. We partake with Him, He's given us a new covenant. This eternal agreement. In this covenant, believers affirm when we have communion, we affirm what Christ has done for us. We remember, we remember all that He's done and we commit to do His will. Did you get that? Not our will. We commit to do His will just as He did the Father's will when we remember what He did for us. We remain loyal to Christ, we avoid sin. And we do our best to fulfill the great commission to share and hear the gospel, that the voice of Jesus' words would be on our lips and in our hearts, that no matter where we go, we make a difference for him because daily we're communing with God. And the more you commune with God, the more it flows out of you, you know? But then there's a future communion. We have a past. We remember that it comes from Exodus 11. So we see how judgment. And then we go to Romans 11 and we see the present. And now we also in communion, we see a future, a future. How many know who holds your future? Come on, come on. Hmm. We'll break out with song. (laughs) No, we won't. (laughs) Because in the future, the kingdom of God Christ has an intimate return. One day, one day, Christ is coming back. Are you looking for him? He's coming back one day. That's what the Bible tells us. And the problem is we need to be ready. We need to be ready for what God has. Revelation chapter 22, 20 says this. He who testifies of these things says, yes, I am coming soon. (laughs) I don't know about you, but it's pretty exciting that one day we're going to have communion in heaven we're going to have the total fulfillment in heaven so it starts in the Old Testament God gives it focusing in on what's going to take place when Jesus Christ we now celebrate what Jesus has done for us and then and then get this we're going to have this great communion dinner in heaven you haven't seen nothing yet Revelation chapter 19.9, look at what it says. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. He then added, These are the true words of God. Historical significant of the past, what God did, a redemptive and personal significant of what Christ has provided for you and I. I want to... Get you something that you probably don't know. Most of you probably don't know this. But, this is great. Unfortunately, we've always had people in this world who fight against the gospel. Here in 1969 was no difference. It was Sunday, July 20th, 1969. Anybody know what happened that day? You history buffs? Come on. 1969, I'll tell you. Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong landed their lunar module. You know where I'm going now? <laughs> the eagle on the Sea of Tranquility, which is simply the moon. The first thing they did was to celebrate, watch this, communion. However, because of a lawsuit filed by O'Hare, uh, Mary O'Hare, When NASA aired the reading from Genesis, the astronauts of the Apollo 8, they decided to black out the part of the broadcast when they had communion. Aldrin, an elder in the Presbyterian Church, took out the communion kit provided by Webster Presbyterian Church in Houston, Texas. In the 1-6 gravity, the wine curled and gracefully came up the side of the cup just before eating and uh, eating the bread and drinking the cup. Aldrin read from the Gospel of John. While he was on the moon, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, can do nothing. I don't know about you, but we're always going to have people in this world who are trying to, Stifled down here with two men who had a faith, and you know what they decided to do personally? They had communion because here they were looking at God's creation. They're looking at this little ball, a little tiny ball. Earth is so small when you look at the galaxies, the Milky Way, our galaxy, is so tiny compared to the galaxies all around. Your God is big. Come on, I want you to understand you have a big God. And if you could just open your eyes and kick it off your problem. If you open your eyes and realize a God who's always working. Open your eyes and see what God wants for you. You're going to see he's a big God and he's on your side. He's on your side. That's right. The Bible says he's under you. He's over you. He's on the side of you. He's in front of you. He's in back of you. Oh, that's what the Bible tells you. Mm, this is good. Don't get me going. I'll stop preaching. <laughs> <laughs> I just get so excited when I think about God's, God's ways are higher than our ways. And when you commune with God, something beautiful takes place. And here are these two intelligent, loving men who love God feel the first thing they want to do is have communion to worship the God who created everything they were seeing. Let me share with you a story, true story. It's in the book of the tale of the tardy ox cart by Charles Swindoll. He relates this story, and there was a little, little, little girl, eight years old. Her name was Monica. And she fell into a pit and broke her leg. Now, there was an older lady in the village, and her name was Mama Najeri. And the older woman, seeing what had happened, climbed into the pit to rescue Monica. In the pit, there happened to be a black mamba. Those in class know a little bit, you can't outrun a black mamba in Africa, or in any country. (laughs) And so when, when the older lady went down to rescue Monica, the black mama bit the older woman and then bit the eight-year-old child, Monica. The ladies were rushed to a medical center and Monica improved, but tragically, Mama Najeri died. The nurse missionary that was on the site that day explained to Monica that Mama Najeri was bitten first and thus received all of the black mama's poison. And when the snake bit Monica, the eight-year-old little girl, it had no poison left. And the nurse, being wise, then took it as an opportunity to explain to Monica, that's exactly what Jesus did. He took the first bite. He died for us so that we could have no sin on us. And after much communication with this little girl, this little girl came to know Jesus as her personal Savior. Jesus took your sin. Jesus took your pain. And when we celebrate communion, we need to remember the grace and the gift and the love and all that God has provided for us. And not just focus on, on the pressure and the pain that this world seems to give us at times. Give me a big amen. So often we need to remember, we need to remember that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We need to believe that the wages of sin is death because sin has a wage and the wage is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, Romans 6.23. Romans 3.23, all have sinned. Everybody has sinned. Someone say amen. Amen. Or you'll be sinning by denying that statement. (laughs) have sinned and come short of the glory of God, meaning that as much as I get my arrow, my bow, and I try to hit the mark, my arrow falls so short, I can't do it with myself. I needed someone to wash away my sins. And that's what Jesus did. He took the bite of death and grave and the sting. He took the bite. So now when the devil tries to bite you, (laughs) can't touch this if you have the blood of the Lamb and you've made Jesus your Savior. I don't know where you are, those online, you here today, but is Jesus your Savior? Have you really given God everything? Have you said, God, forgive me of my sin? I desire to give all to you. Is there anybody here that said, God, I want to make that statement, say, God, I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. Just raise your hand right where you are. Those online, raise your hand right where you are. Say, God sees your hand. God knows you are. Yes, yes, yes. God sees that God knows that God's with you and He wants to be in you as you simply say, Father, I believe you sent Jesus into this world. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that on the third day He rose again. And when He rose, He defeated sin's death, defeated the devil. And no longer does death have a sting. And because I now accept this gift, I now am a child of almighty God. I am now part of the righteous, part of the family of God. I'm an heir to the kingdom. And then I'm going to encourage each one of you and those online to get in the word, get into church, grow and become what God wants you to be. Amen? Amen. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord.
0: Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey 08079 or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m. or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.